good to see everyone here today. Got a full house, uh, some new faces. So, uh, of course, a lot of you have been here a lot, but to me, you're still a new face at times. So don't hesitate to introduce yourself. Uh, I'll try to remember names, but I know I'm going to mess that up on, on time. So uh, um, we'll do the best we can. I was a, a sophomore in, in college. And I'd walked up to my dorm room, up to the third floor of the dorm, and as I, I got to the top of the stairs, a friend of mine stopped me and, and hollered at me and said, hey, do you guys play tonight? I was playing on an intramural basketball team at the time, and he said, do you play tonight? I said, yeah, we play whatever, seven, eight, whatever it was. And, and uh, he said, well, who do you play? And uh, I said, we play Claycomb's team. Uh, Jim Claycomb was a friend of mine. We'd actually roomed together for a semester. Uh, his dad was Rita's preacher when she was little. Great guy. I mean, really good guy. Terrible athlete, though. Terrible athlete. So he asked me, said, well, said, well, are they any good? And, and I just, I just started to kind of laugh and giggle and said to myself, and I said, they're terrible. I said, I, I said, I was talking to Claycomb earlier today, and, and, uh, he was talking about, he, and, and he told me that he thought they could beat us. And, and I said, there's no way they're going to, and I was on a pretty good team. Some good athletes on my team. They're terrible. And then I, and then I continued on to say, hey, Claycomb thinks he's good, but he's not. I mean, he's not a very good basketball player. And I probably should have, I probably should have noted this a lot sooner. Uh, but I just kept on, uh, railing on how, how we were going to thump him, how we were going to destroy him. And then finally I noticed the friend I was talking to kind of doing, you know, one of those, shaking his head, and it finally sunk in. And I turned around, and yeah, you guessed it. Standing behind me was my friend or ex-friend uh, Jim Claycomb, and 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 I took it from the look on his face that he had heard a lot of my conversation, and he, he just he just looked at me and said, uh, "I'll see you on the court. You guys are going down." Uh, now, if there were any justice in the world, we met that night on the court. His team would have beat us, but they didn't. They were terrible. They really were bad. And we, and we thumped him. But have you ever been in that situation before where you said or did something that you wouldn't have said or you certainly wouldn't have done if you knew that, that a person that was connected with it was standing behind you? Had they been watching you, there's no way you would have done that. Had I know Jim was there when my friend asked, are they any good? I would have said, oh man, we're going to have to play a good game tonight. They are awesome. We're going to have to bring our A game. And that clay comb, He's not very big, but man, he's a spitfire on the court. And then I went, oh, Jim, didn't see you standing there. <laughs> well, no, I probably wouldn't have, uh, I probably wouldn't have said that, but I certainly wouldn't have railed on and on about how we were going to beat them, uh, so badly. See, we respond differently when we know someone is there. Uh, have any of you watched the show? Um, I don't know if it's still on or not. I know it's on for a few years on CBS called The Undercover Boss. Have you ever watched that? Okay, it's a reality show, and I think I feel it's important for me to mention this now, just in case we ever have a conversation about a reality show uh, in the future. Uh, you need to know this, um, that a, a reality show is not real. That's the one thing you need to know. Reality shows are not real. So can you say that with me? Reality shows are not real. See, Rita, they agree with me. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, the, 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 the premise of this show, Undercover Boss, is that they take a uh, a CEO or the owner of a company or at least some big wig in the company and they disguise them. I only, I only saw a couple episodes and they really do a poor job of disguising them. You know, put a little gray in their hair, a must, fake mustache and, and instead of a suit, they've got a 
pair of blue jeans and a work shirt on, and then they march into the to either the factory or the plant or to a store, and they come in like they're a, a new hire. Hey, we just hired Jim over here, and he's going to start. And and the the feel good part of the story is, or of the show is they they usually highlight someone that that really works hard, that goes above and beyond and gives to the company. Or, or a lot of times it's someone that's maybe had had tragedy in their life, and, and they end up at some point sitting down with this undercover boss and talking about their story. Uh, and, and that's kind of how it goes. And it's a real nice little show. Uh, but but here's the problem. The, the name of the show shouldn't be Undercover Boss. It should be Not So Undercover Boss. Because the reality, when Jim walks in, hey, this is a new hire, Jim. What's the first thing he said? Hey, don't mind that camera crew that's following me around with you today. They just, that's everywhere I go, I have it filmed. There's not even film in the camera, so don't worry about that. Talk freely. Now, you know, when, when there's a camera there, they're, they're not going to talk bad about the company. They're not going to take extra breaks. They're not going to tell Jim, hey, this is where we go and hide and take a nap, and the bosses can't find. They're not going to do any of that, because it's really not so undercover, is it? Uh, we're going to look today in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. Actually, today and, and next Sunday as well. Uh, and, and we're going to look at the boss, because the reality is the boss is there, which for us is the boss, is, is God our Father. Uh, and he really isn't so undercover, uh, be, because he does see us. In Ephesians chapter 6, we'll, we'll look in the next couple of weeks at the first nine verses. Paul talks to four distinct groups of people, and he gives each group a specific challenge. Now, here's kind of the cool thought or the cool idea about this is that the power and the authority behind the challenge, what, what really gives it thump is the undercover boss, the really not so undercover boss. It's the fact that God is there. Um, in, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, we had looked at this, uh, several, a couple months ago. Ephesians 1 13 says this, having believed, talking to the church there, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. See, here's the reality, whether we want to, whether we want to understand it or not, or believe it or not, or want to, uh, embrace it or not, if we have the Holy Spirit with us, and, and earlier in the book, that's what he said was their gift. We know that's our gift from God, the, the God's Spirit living literally with us, then the, the boss is never undercover. God, God is with us at all, at all times and sees what we do. So our, our boss is not undercover. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole section. I'm just going to read the, the, the part that we're going to deal with today. Uh, and I will let you know, the first two are kind of isolated groups. Uh, next week, it's going to cover all of us. Um, we'll cover most of us in the first two today, but next week, we all get uh, brought, brought in. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. He's referring back to uh, the book of Exodus, to the Ten Commandments, the number fifth commandment, honor your parents, and it, it was the first commandment that came with a promise. And you'll, you'll do well in the land, you'll live a long life, basically is what it was. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Here's the first one. The boss sees... If you're right, the boss sees if you're right. The first group that he speaks to here is children. Uh, so, so if you're a kid here today, I apologize that, that I'm going to uh, talk to you for a little bit. 
uh, but it's where the scripture goes, and I've got to go where scripture goes, and that's where it starts off. Uh, kids, obey your parents. Now, this passage, let me point this out. This passage probably is, for the most part, speaking to kids that are at home. So, 18 and under, if you will, or 21 and under if you're paying for their college, or 22, whatever it is. Uh, 26 and under if you're still paying, they're still on your health care plan. Uh, you're, the, the, it's talking to kids at home. But there is an aspect of this, and they would have probably caught it, certainly in Jewish culture, it, there's an aspect of this that it's also speaking to children, adult children who have parents. So, so it really does kind of cover the rest of us. If we have living parents, there is an application there for us as well. And then we'll, a little later we'll look at a, a potential third application uh, that we might, we might see. see here. Here's the first challenge. What's it say? Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Uh, why obey? Kids, why, why does this passage tell you that you have to obey? Why, why is it included, not just in the Old Testament, but it's included in the New Testament? Paul's writing this letter to a church, really not so much unlike the church at Troy, a group of believers. Paul wrote this inspired it's words from that he's that that he's given Paul wrote this letter and he felt that it was important with all the other stuff he talked about to to talk to kids and say kids don't forget I want you to obey your parents why because God has simply because God has called you to uh it it's his plan it's his plan his desire his purpose and it is right uh, a, a little side note, parents, next time you tell one of your kids, it's probably one of your teenagers, um, preteens, you tell them to do something and they say, why do I have to do that? If you're tempted to say, and you probably all have done, if you're tempted to say, because I'm your mother, that's why, or because I'm your, instead of doing that, say, well, let's, let's, let's see what the Bible says. And, and have them open up to Ephesians chapter six and let's see what the big guy says. And oh yeah, right there it says children obey. That's why you have to obey me because the Bible says you do. That's almost a dirty, dirty pool there in the guys. Uh, but, but we're called. Why obey? That's God's plan. That's God's order. Now let me ask this question. Uh, kids, in, any of your parents, uh, discipline you? Are y'all scared to raise your hand? There you go. Yeah, yeah. You sometimes feel like your parents discipline too much. Maybe your discipline's a little hard. Anyone? Hey, I'm going to have the. Boy, you got a rough life. How about your wife? Does your wife? Hey, uh, AO's going to. You think you've got it tough? Let me. Let me tell you. Life is easy for us under the the new covenant. AO, would you read a verse for me? This is from Exodus chapter 17, isn't it or 21? Yeah. Okay, you guys have it easy. All right, all right. You have. I had him read it, so you'd think I was making that up. But Ao uh, read that, uh, so so it's it, that's what scripture. Now I don't know. I think God's intent in saying that really was to to say this. I'm serious. Obeying your parents is serious stuff. It's right. The truth is, God wants the best for you. Do you understand when He gives instruction? That's really what He's after. God wants the very best for, for His children and as children of your parents, you're His children. He wants the very best for you. And let me let you in on a little secret. 
your, your parents want the best for you as well. So you may not catch it, you may not understand, but when, when they ask, when they demand, when they expect obedience, it's because they want the best. Uh, they want the best for you. But he also gives a second challenge. He says, children, obey your parents. But then he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a, uh, with a promise. I love how oftentimes in Scripture we see it really in the Old Testament, but definitely in the New Testament, we see that God calls us not to just give a little bit, but he calls us to give a lot. God doesn't call us to just try a little bit, but give our very best. He always raises the bar from what we might want to do to what He expects of us. In other words, in the New Testament, it doesn't tell us to be good. It tells us to be holy, which literally means to be perfect. Now, we're not going to reach that, but that's our goal. That's what we're supposed to try to to attain is to be holy. He doesn't say just give a little bit. Hey, hey, try to give some effort. He says give your all. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Kids, you're not only to obey, but you're also to honor. And really what he's talking about there, you're called to honor and respect your parents. Let me, let me flesh this out. Let me give you a, a kind of a, an example of what that really looks like or what that really, uh, really means. N- next time your mom says, hey, you need to clean your room. And you, you stomp into your room and, and you clean it so you obey. But you stomp into your room and you are throwing stuff. You got the closet door open and you pick up a tennis shoe and you throw a tennis shoe into the room and it bounces off the wall and you think, man, I hope mom heard that. And, and, and you grab some other stuff and you're just huffing and puffing and, oh, and you're obeying. But you know what scripture says? Obey and honor. Or, or maybe your dad says, hey son, go out and mow the yard. I told you to do it yesterday. You didn't get it done. Go mow the yard. And so you stomp out, did I, is there any kids here to have this? And so you stomp out of the house, and the whole time you're walking out to the garage, you're grumbling and mumbling. I wanted to play video games. My friends don't have to mow their yards. Why, why can't dad mow the yard? There's nothing wrong. He only works 40 hours or 50 hours a week. I, he, he can, I'm just a kid. I shouldn't have to work. There's laws against that. You mow the yard, but the whole time you mumble and grumble and complain. And <laughs> God calls us. Kids, it's it's here. God calls you to obey your parents, but He also calls you to honor. And what, so what does that mean? Honoring is simply this. It's acknowledging, it's acknowledging your parents' rights, your parents' right to ask for obedience. And it's you trusting them in that obedience. Now, now we, I don't expect you, every kid, to, oh, great, Mom, can I clean my, can I do it tomorrow too? And Dad, can I weed eat? I don't want to just mow. I want, you know, I don't necessarily expect that. But God does want us to have that attitude. Now, now let me throw this one out. There's one other application, possibly. Uh, I've got to wonder, the church at Ephesus, when they were reading Paul's letter, and, uh, it, it, it was, was sent to them, but it wasn't mass produced, so they probably passed it around the church. I imagine for weeks, if not months, they, they would get together and, and it was this study time as they would go over what Paul had said again. And I, I just have to believe somewhere in that process, there's one guy in the back of the church that raised his hand and said, I got a question. And it's okay, James, what's your question? Doesn't it say early in the book, didn't Paul say something about us being adopted as children? He said, yeah, yeah, right there at the start. He said, 
You know, we were predestined to be adopted as children. And is there a possibility then that, that when he says children obey and honor, could he be talking about us? Now, I'm 100% sure that he's talking to kids here. But there is a chance that, that he means it in a kind of a dual interpretation uh, that, that he wants us to see ourselves as children. And God's asked us to obey. And not just obey, okay, I'll go to church, you know, I'll read my Bible, I'll, I'll, I'll write this check out. But, but to also honor him, to, to realize his right to ask for obedience and trust him in that. So, so possibly, and I, and I will throw, if it's, if it's not meant there, it's there in enough other places that we can find that application. Uh, the, the boss also, here's a second thing. The boss sees if you're in control. Now kids, I, I, I've been railing on you a little bit, so, so do this. Uh, kind of fold your arms and look at, you look at your mom and dad. Now do it with honor and, uh, obedience and respect here. Look at your mom and dad and say, your turn. Okay. You, you can do that. Your turn. Cause you know what he says next. Um, he says in verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, Paul here says father. So he's, 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 uh, uh, he's pointed here. Uh, he does say fathers. And, and the reason he does, it, it was a cultural thing. As he wrote the letter to that culture, that's how he would address it. That's how they would have wanted it, have, have understood it. But, but it's no stretch, and we have no problem understanding that today for us, we could just as easily interpret that as parents. We can make the application. So I'm not letting you off the hooks, Mom, basically is what I'm saying here. He does say fathers, but, but really he's speaking here to both of us, uh, as parents, moms and, uh, moms and dad, uh, as well. We need to be prepared. The, the church at Ephesus would have understood this two ways. Now I don't have this in the notes, but if you want to write it down, two ways. One way, they would have understood it in a uniquely cultural way. When Paul said, do not exasperate your kids, they would have understood it culturally. In Rome, they had a law called Patria Potestis, which meant the father's power. Catch this. Men who were Roman citizens were given absolute property rights over their families. By law, the children and the wife were regarded as the, the patriarch's personal property. That, that also gives us a little more understanding back uh, in chapter 5 when he talked about wives respect your husbands, honor your uh, husbands, but, but it said husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Um, a, a displeased father, catch this, a dis, displeased father could disown his children, sell them into slavery, or even kill them if he wished. Moms and dads, you want to exasperate your son or daughter, disown them, uh, sell them into slavery, <laughs> uh, put them to death. That will really tick them off. I mean, they really get upset with that one. Uh, when Paul, when Paul says here, do not exasperate, they would have understood. Now, it, it really would have meant almost more to them than it does to us. They would have understood that they were being called to a new set of laws and principles, a higher set of law, laws and principles, they would realize that now I don't look to my culture to tell me how to raise my kids. Instead, I look to God to tell me how to be a good parent. Can I get an amen on that? 
we don't look now, and they would have caught that. They would have said, what? Paul, we, you're saying that we can't even get them upset with, or we can't exasperate? Paul says, take away your culture and what your culture says, and throw that to the side. Look instead to what God says when it comes to raising your children. So they would have understood it in a uniquely cultural way, and they also would have understood it, as we do, in a very practical way, a uniquely practical way. It still would have blown their mind when Paul said, do not exasperate. What it literally means in Greek is not to push to anger. Don't push kids to anger. Paul said this uh, to the church at Colossae, kind of thing they would have realized that culturally man Paul you're really saying something that changes our thinking here in in Colossians chapter 3 verse 21 Paul says fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged now remember they came from a culture that gave them total control over their kids they could disown them they could sell them they could put them to death and now Paul's saying that you have to choose differently you can't exasperate them you can't cause them anger unduly. He says, now you're covered by the grace of Jesus as a son of God, an heir to the promise. There's something different expected of you. And so they they would have had to ask, how do we be a Christian parent? Our culture has said this. Our culture said, hey, you are supreme boss. Do what you want. Now, Paul, you're telling me something different. So they were, I'm sure they were trying to figure out what does Paul want from us? Where, where do we look to find context and application for, for, for us? How, how, what's he talking about? And then I think they would have realized, you know what? He's already shown us the answer. Uh, again, back in Ephesians chapter one, verse five and following, it says this. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. So he's talking about that father-son relationship in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's a long sentence there. But basically basically what is happening is the backdrop for a proper father-son relationship, the backdrop for a a proper parent-child relationship, is what God did when he created the father-son relationship with them. And what did he do? How did he create a father-son relationship with the Gentiles? With us. He sent his son. That's what he said. It's through the redemption, through the blood of Jesus. How, how did God define what a father-son relationship looks like? What a father does for a child? He sent Jesus. And so now when they're trying to figure out what does he mean here, because this is totally different than our culture, it's right there in Scripture. So moms and dads, what's he saying to us? Um, kids, I, 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 if you're really listening, you might be thinking, I hope what he's saying is that they can, mom and dad can never make us mad. It says that in the Bible right there. Dad, you can't make us mad. I have a two-year-old grandson and one that will be two years old in, in a couple months. They both about the same time went through this period where if you tell them no, they run into the other room, throw themselves on the floor, and just start crying. As a grandparent, I think that's funny. <laughs> uh, as a parent, not so much. I lived through that as a parent, but as grandparents, like, hey, do something with your kid, you know. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> but it's hilarious. Aren't they cute? Let's get the camera out and get a picture. Uh, 
So are we never to make our kids mad? I dare say, if you're not making your kids mad, you're, you're, uh, you're not being a very uh, godly parent. Uh, you're doing something wrong because it's going to happen. So what does he mean? When our oldest was 18 months old, we were at a restaurant, I think, in Kansas City. And uh, we were eating, and we were getting, you know, putting food on his high chair or whatever, and, and he was eating. And, and I thought it would be funny. Let's point out, any new parents here, new dads, if you ever think it would be funny, that's usually a, a bad sign. You shouldn't probably follow through. But I thought it would be funny to hand him a piece, of, a slice of lemon. And so I did. Here, Brian. And he took it. I slid up. He took it and bit into it. Don't judge me. It was funny. I laughed. Because, I mean, he made the most awful face. And then he started crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I looked at my wife, and I started crying because because <laughs> I, I knew suddenly it was it wasn't funny to her, so it wasn't gonna it was oh bad idea Tim what were you thinking? Uh, here's here's the deal here's the application. Uh, what what Brian was expecting what our kids expect uh, he he trusted me, and he had no reason not to think that what I fed him what I gave him to eat would be good. What Paul's talking about here is when our children are expecting us to pour into them, what they're expecting for us to pour into them is to feed their spirits only what is good, and when we fail them there, it's what exasperates them. What does Scripture pour into us? What does Scripture tell us about how God sees us? Scripture tell us that we're forgiven, we're accepted, we're holy, we're blameless, we're adopted, we're righteous, we're redeemed, we're heirs with the promise, we're beloved children. Scripture feeds us truth, encouragement, and love. And isn't that what we should do as a parent? My, my only regret, well, probably I have several, but one of my biggest regrets as a, a parent of grown children is I can look back at times, and and, and I hope that it was only a few times. I, I can look back at times and, and wish that instead of words of criticism and words of anger and words of hurt, I'd given words of encouragement and words of love. I, I never look back and say, man, I wish I'd yelled at my kids more. Man, I wish I'd berated them more. You look back sometimes and think, I wish I'd said I love you more. I wish I'd have said... I'm proud of you more. I wish I'd have said you're special more. I was 28 years old when my dad, who was only 53, passed away from a, uh, an aneurysm. I knew my dad loved me. He demonstrated in so many ways. He sacrificed for his family, provided for us. I, I never doubted for a moment that my dad loved me. But I never heard him say the words. Never heard him say the words. I knew my dad was proud of me. I'm, I'm confident of it. My mom said later on, oh boy, your dad was proud of you doing this and that. But I never heard him say those words. What does Paul mean, don't exasperate? I, I think in part he's, he's telling us, don't, don't miss the opportunities to pour into your children truth and encouragement and love. Now, lest you think all we need to do is go around and just say nice things to our parents, to our kids... He does go on and, and give the second thought there. Don't exasperate your children. These are tied together. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of 
the Lord. What happens here is Paul raises the bar again. See, we're commissioned to not just love and encourage and speak positive things. We're, 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 we're commanded here to bring them up in the Lord. Bring them has the idea of nurturing and enveloping and surrounding them with the message of Jesus. It, it's in, inundating them with who God is in our life. In the Old Testament, they understood it. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it said, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Basically, what he's saying is we need to be very intentional. We need to be very intentional with the idea of showing God to our kids. Training and instruction, when he talks about the end of verse 4, the idea of putting in mind. We're to put God in the mind of our kids. Uh, a, a week ago Friday, uh, not this last Friday, but a week ago, I was at the Troy uh, Troy football game. And uh, I wore a blue shirt. I didn't have a Troy shirt, so I just I, I got a blue shirt out of my closet because your color's blue, so I had a nice blue shirt. And it, it had a nice little picture of a bird on the front of it. Um, Okay, chicken hawk for some of you, but jayhawk for the re- for a couple of us here. It, it, it had a jayhawk, and and I was there and talking. I think I was talking to Charlotte, and Kelsey came by, and saw my shirt, and said, "Hey, I love your shirt." No, that's not what she 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 didn't say that. Some uh, she just made a kind of a guttural groaning noise and uh, and kept on going. Boy. Her world turned upside down when her son Booth or Boone Boone saw my shirt and reached out and touched it. It's like she slapped his hand and you go. No, no, she didn't. I think it did bother her. But uh, so a little later on, I was was talking to Charlotte, and she she said, "Yeah, when when Kelsey was just a little baby in a stroller, if she saw someone with a Jayhawk on, she'd just start making noises like ooh ooh ooh." And so when Kelsey came by a little bit later, I said, "Kelsey, did you do that?" When you saw, and she pointed to her dad, Barry, and he said, well, it's his fault. He's, he's the one that made me a K-State fan. That's really what Paul is saying. Not to be a K-State fan, don't misunderstand me there. <laughs> what Paul really is saying there is that we're to impress on our kids, and it's okay to impress our favorite teams. No, no problems there. But we're to impress the Lord on our kids. That's what instruction is talking about. Training instruction is to surround them with uh, His mercy and His His grace, and make sure they understand that. Are Are we in control? We're to We're to be in control of pouring into our kids' life truth, encouragement, love, surrounding them, and modeling them the doctrine of Jesus. There is nothing more important that you can do as a parent. There's nothing you can do that's more important as a parent than to show them Christ. And that's what Paul really means when he says, don't exasperate your kids. Instead, bring them up. Uh, I'll close with, with this. Uh, Ron Davis tells this story. And hopefully we can, we as parents, we as dads, we as moms can have, have this truth be a part of our, our lives. Ron Davis tells this story about David Kraft. David was a uh, a big guy. He was he was six foot two, uh, two hundred pounds. Former football player, two 
200 pounds, all muscle. Uh, he'd went to seminary after he got out of college, but ended up working for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes because, uh, because of his ties with, uh, with athletes and, 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 and was just a, a great minister, uh, doing that. But when he was 32 years old, uh, he was diagnosed with cancer. The cancer ravaged his body very quickly, and he went from being 200 pounds rock solid muscle down to 80 pounds. When, when his life was almost at the end, and, and it was clear that, that, that he was soon to go home with the Lord, he asked that his father come into his room. And his dad came in, and, and he looked at his dad and said, Dad, do you remember when I was a little boy, how you used to hold me close in your arm, and you'd hold me to your chest? And his dad nodded his head. And then David said, do you think, Dad, you could do that one more time, one last time? Again, his dad nodded his head, and he reached down on the bed and picked up David, all 80 pounds of him, and he held him close in his arms face to face, eye to eye, and said tears were running down both of their cheeks when his son said to him, Dad, I just want to thank you for building the kind of character in my life that enables me to handle a situation like this. Boy, I hope, I hope that we're the kind of parent that builds into our kids, that pours into our kids that kind of truth. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you this morning that you speak truth into our life. Uh, uh, and here in Ephesians, you challenge us and call us uh, to serve you. You, you challenge uh, specific groups. You challenge us as children, certainly children in the home, to obey and honor parents. But really, that applies to all of us and even applies to us as your child to love, obey, and honor you. Father, you challenge us as parents, as mom and dads, to, to live uh, uh, in a unique and honest way the, the love that you've given us. You modeled it through giving your son Jesus for us and we're to model that with our kids. Father, uh, bless us. Give us strength uh, to be obedient and honor you in our life. Father, give us wisdom as moms and dads uh, to train up our kids and instruct them to bring them up in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, maybe you just need encouragement if you'd like us to, to do that public, we'd love to have you come forward and, and pray for you, gather some elders around and just lift you up. If maybe here today and you you need to recommit yourself to, to being a better child or maybe you need to meet, recommit yourself to being a better mom and a better dad, better set of parents, we'd, we'd invite you to come up. We'd de- definitely love to pray for you and encourage you. Maybe you don't know the Lord in a personal way. If you don't, we'd invite you to come today.